Welcome to the Call Time Podcast, a program of the Call Time Mental Health Campaign for BC's motion picture and entertainment sector. I'm your host, Greg Taylor. I'm a clinical counselor and president of FSEAP, one of the service providers of mental health services to BC's film sector. For today's show, we're going to be talking about personal finances and money management. And if you're like most Canadians, just that topic can cause stress. Canadians report that personal finances are one of the top stressors related to their mental health. So to address this issue, our guest today is Murray Baker. He's the manager of Financial Empowerment Program at Family Services of Greater Vancouver. Welcome, Murray. Thanks for having me. So just to put things in context and uh, your support to us today, could you tell us a little bit about the Financial Empowerment Program at Family Services? Yeah, well, our, our financial empowerment program is really geared towards supporting individuals and families in becoming more financially resilient. And to do this, we help through a, a number of different avenues. One is financial education. So teaching people about a variety of personal financial matters, whether it be uh, budgeting, whether it be financial goal setting, things such as building a reserve fund, um, saving and investing for the future, and basically understanding the mechanics of the financial system and how it works and how you can best utilize that to your advantage. So that's one component. The other component is we offer uh, free one-to-one coaching, and that uh, really helps individuals with a, maybe a specific issue or problem that they're dealing with. So maybe they're uh, struggling with debt. So we'll work with them and help them understand some of the strategies they may be able to apply to help them get out of that situation. The nice thing about our services, it's free. And the other great thing is that we don't sell any financial products. So our information that we give people is unbiased. Um, we want individuals to come away from our services uh, more informed and better able to make solid, uh, educated, informed decisions uh, when it comes to managing their money. Okay, great. Fantastic. And we'll make sure at the end of the show and in the show notes that we'll provide information to the Financial Empowerment Program. So as we begin talking about this topic, you know, for workers in the film sector, but all Canadians, you know, things are difficult these days. We have a recession, we have high interest rates, um, you know, high cost of living. Can you tell us a little bit about what people are experiencing, what Canadians are experiencing? Yeah, and, and this is a very much an unprecedented time that we haven't seen for over 20 years. And, and that's uh, people are struggling financially, whether they're people who are uh, renting, for example, or people who are holding a mortgage where they are, they're living, both of those scenarios, people are struggling. So about 54% of renters say they're having difficulty. 45% of mortgage holders are struggling. So mm. it, it's, it's really aligned right across uh, the, the spectrum of, of Canadians. And three in 10 Canadians report that their financial situation is either bad or terrible. Oh, so that's no. that's pretty disheartening when you when you hear that because you know that it's not impacting just a small portion but really people right across the board um and of all income levels too. People definitely who have uh debt that they're trying to manage are going to feel it more. So that could be mortgage but it could also be consumer debt. And it's also going to impact people who have maybe had employment disruption 
or uneven employment. And that certainly gets back to the situation with people who are working in the film industry. And we're seeing this now, of course, with the writer's strike, is that people are are experiencing that disruption. So they're particularly being hard hit as well. Any profession where you're not a salaried employee and you're having fluctuations, you really have to be very proactive in terms of how you manage your, your finances. Right. And I love how you've identified that, the uniqueness of the film sector and the, and the people's experience, because it can be times of feast and then some famine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can make good wages, not everyone, depending on the role in the sector. Um, other parts of entertainment, people not necessarily making as much and mm-hmm. having to find ways to get by. But then also the people who are making more, but then on an inconsistent basis, potentially, now, of course, also being coming comfortable because maybe they've had a number of projects in a row, even spanning a year or two, but then they still end up in this spot where production slow down, work has shifted, seasonality of the work, and now they have a gap. Absolutely. And so let's talk about what would be the most important things for somebody to consider then when they're working in that kind of system, in that kind of sector. Well, there's really a number of things that, that people can do. And, and, and I would say the first step would really be to look to... S- set up some sort of emergency fund. And generally, it's recommended that people have a a six-month emergency fund on hand to manage through those fluctuations, if you will, in employment or emergency situations that come up, even if they're unrelated to employment. So everybody should should really strive towards that. In the film industry, if, if things are going really well, you want to start putting that money aside. Never spend to uh, what you're making. You want to make sure you have a good chunk, perhaps more so even than people who are, say, salaried, because you know that at some point you're going to have some of those gaps in employment. By having that emergency fund, you're not going to have to access less desirable sources of money. So, for instance, you're not going to have to dip into a line of credit mm-hmm. or take out a loan or start putting things on credit card or even dipping into your savings, such as uh, RSP. That's the last thing you want to do. And uh, then when that emergency ends, then you can start to rebuild it again for the next gap that comes along. Right. I imagine that happens quite often, right? Where people live up to the level of salary they're making in the moment, but then have to kind of fill the gap. And it's how we're filling that gap. Absolutely. And, and you know, nothing is for certain, even, even outside of the film industry, there's always the chance that people could get injured on the job or people could um, be laid off from their employment, things like that. So you really want to be proactive. And not a lot of Canadians do necessarily have that emergency fund. And we saw that during the pandemic, of course, when it hit and many people were affected. A lot of Canadians just did not have that emergency fund. And if it wasn't for the government stepping in with some of those benefits, mm. uh, people really would have been in, in very rough shape trying to manage through those couple of years. Right. And it sounds from what you're saying also, there's a difference between kind of saving long term in terms of thinking ahead to retirement and later in life and also then these kind of more fluctuations and immediate needs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So when you're looking at uh, the two different options, sort of your, your emergency fund, which you generally want to have that set aside and in something fairly liquid as well. So for instance, if you were investing in things like guaranteed investment certificates or term deposits, that's gonna be very liquid asset. You can take it out if an emergency comes up. Your long-term savings tend to be uh, put in 
perhaps things such as equities or mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or even individual stocks. Those are for the long term. And the reason you won't want to necessarily be dipping into those in emergencies is say your investments are at a time when they've taken a dip. You don't want to be taking that money out Mm. when your investments are down. Right. You want to be accessing that money when your investments are up. So from what you're saying, it sounds like there's a a layer to our financial strategy. There's kind of the the very long-term retirement, and people think of RRSPs that they can put into tax-free money, but then course, get dinged on taxes on the way out. Yeah. Um, then kind of a medium term that could be other kind of longer term investment tools. And then there's that short term for the emergencies. Absolutely. And, and it's important to know that the government sets up different programs that um, really kind of give us a little bit of a nudge to save for our future. <laughs> the message, of course, is the government doesn't know if they're going to have enough money to fund our retirement and our future. So they're going to kind of push us to do that ourselves. So they've created things such as as RSPs and TFSAs. RSPs and TFSAs do have some fundamental differences. So if somebody has a tax-free savings account and an RSP and they need to access money, uh, generally it's better to access it from the tax-free savings account when you're younger, because if you take it out of an RSP, there's some some taxation issues that come into play too. So when you start pulling money out in an emergency situation, you're not only um, sort of dipping into your long-term future, into retirement, you're also um, triggering some taxation, which you don't want to do. If you're drawing money, a little bit of money out of your tax-free savings account, you're not going to take that tax hit. So it's important to be aware of those uh, differences uh, between the, the two type of um, investment vehicles that you can use. Right. Yeah, I've worked with people. It seems like where all their savings goes into their automatic withdrawal to the RRSP, mm-hmm. but then when they need cash, they take it out of there mm-hmm. and say, well, I get all of it except 10% holdback. Yeah. But then it's actually taxed not at the 10%, but at your actual annual tax rate. So at the end of the year, you may have to actually pay back another chunk that you may or may not have saved up. Absolutely. And the other thing too, when you start pulling money out of an RRSP and um that money is considered taxable income. So sometimes you may be eligible for a benefit of some sort because your income is low. But if you pull that money out of an RSP, that's going to push your taxable income up and that may uh, preclude you from accessing a benefit that you normally would have done. And we see this actually quite a bit with seniors who maybe have a a certain income, they need some in an emergency, they pull it out of an RSP, not only does it, in some cases, push them up to a higher tax bracket, but sometimes benefits they were receiving, they no longer are eligible because the government says, no, uh, your income was higher this year because you took money out of an RSP, so you're not eligible for these benefits anymore. So you really have to be careful when you're withdrawing from the various sources of income that you might have. Now, what about the person that's already in this boat then? Maybe they're in the film sector, the things have slowed down, they haven't had the opportunity to create a savings account, and so they are looking at credit or having to use their credit. Can you give some advice for people who are either caught up in a significant amount of credit and debt load that they're carrying or are needing to access some? What's the best options for those people? Yeah, so generally you want to, if you do have to access credit, you want to access credit that 
charges as little interest as possible. So mm-hmm. generally, bank loans or lines of credit are going to um, charge a lower interest rate than, say, credit cards or predatory uh, lenders, which charge a much higher rate. Part of this is going to be determined by your credit score or your credit history. So if you have a very good credit rating history, you're going to have a better chance of being able to access, say, a line of credit or a bank loan than if you have a poor credit history. So that really underscores the importance of us always paying attention to our credit score and our credit history make sure that it's it's a good credit history, paying our bills on time, making sure there's no outstanding debts, so that if we do come to access uh, credit, um, that we're going to get uh, credit on more favorable terms. Right. And I mean, there's, there is easy money out there. There's cash marts on different corners and places you can get some quick funds. But do you have any just initial quick information about those? Yeah, my, my quick information is to avoid them. They're really set up as a, as a last resort. Um, some of those places charge 45 plus percent interest which is incredible. Now, the government, and this is something we've been working to lobby the government for, is to bring in more strict regulation of these type of lenders. And they have announced that they're looking to cap the amount they can charge at 35%, which is still very high, but it's certainly better than 45, 46% or or more. So yeah, avoid those if at all possible. Also, sometimes if you have an asset, you can put that up as collateral uh, for a bank loan, and that's called a secure loan. That's going to give you a generally a lower interest rate than if it's an unsecured loan, because the bank has something of yours of value that if you're not able to pay, they can seize that. Um, a good example of that is a, is a house. Uh, you take out a mortgage that's considered a secured loan because you've put up something of, of value, which is the house itself. Right. And I assume, too, if people have some equity built in their house, that they could also borrow against that at a much more reasonable rate. That's right. And that is an option, too, that some people may be explored. But you also want to pay attention to the fine print in terms of any penalties or how susceptible is that to uh, rising interest rates. So if interest rates keep shooting up, is that going to uh, increase the amount that you're going to pay on uh, that loan against your house? So as we talk about all of these issues, of course, it's going to raise anxiety in people's minds. And sometimes people get a little bit overwhelmed of where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, you work with people a lot in the area of financial coaching and money management and do a lot of reading. If you could just give some ABCs of personal finance to say, if you're just out there working and trying to figure things out, what are really simple things that you could do tomorrow to kind of start setting this up a little step at a time? Yeah, Um one of the, the key factors, of course, and this, as soon as you start earning money uh, when as young as possible, is start putting away, um, you know, certainly uh, some of your listeners may have read The Wealthy Barber, where he advocates putting 10% away automatically. Excellent advice. And although he wrote the book, you know, 20 plus years ago, it's, it's timely advice today, is to try and put that money aside into some long-term savings and investing and really automate it. Certainly, and I know people in the film industry who have said to, to me, well, 
you know, I'm just working full out now when I have this money sitting in a bank account. Mm. The only good that's doing is the banks who turn around and lend it out at a higher rate. You want to make sure that is earning and working for you so that when you retire, it continues to work for you and generate income as well. So set it up so it's automatic. So the money coming in your bank account automatically every month, a certain amount goes into say a TFSA or an RSP or a bit of both uh, to build that long-term future. And then also have a certain amount automatically go each month into an emergency fund as well. And I think also, you know, whenever we talk about personal finance and planning, the word budget comes up. And I think people get overwhelmed because we all have this kind of idealized version of, you know, a 50-column spreadsheet that uh, analyzes everything. And it's going to take a lot of work to dig through receipts. But I think there's a much easier way, right, where people can even just take, say, the last three years' income and average it and then divide it by 12 to figure out what their monthly income has been averaged over three years and then go to just the past three months of their bank account and just add up their various expenses. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, the nice thing now is that you can use a, a, a spreadsheet, which will do all the calculations for you. So if you're someone that says, I, I'm, I'm not good at math, not a problem, the spreadsheet does it for you. Or there's some great budgeting apps as well that mm. people can access and do your budgeting on, on the fly. When you set up a budget, it might take you a little bit longer, but generally after that, it might take you half hour every month just to go through your budget. And it gives you an indication of where am I spending more than I, I should? And if I'm spending more than I make, are there some areas that I can cut back on? Or can I start to prioritize all the different uh, expenses I have? And are there a couple that I can cut back on? Uh, a good example of this is during the pandemic, people were locked at home. They were taking out all sorts of streaming services. Mm. Um, maybe they don't need those now. Maybe they're getting out doing stuff outdoors. They can cut down to one instead of three different streaming services. Right. Yeah, I'm a good example of that. So this has been a, a great conversation and uh, I think really timely for people that as they uh, you know look at their finances as we you know head into the, through this year um, and things continue to be a challenge and any last encouragements for people as you think about these people in the film and entertainment yeah I guess the, the main point is that sometimes people will say oh I should have saved earlier that the point is that it's never too late to start saving but at the same time, I think anybody who looks back says, oh, I wish I had have started saving earlier. So uh, don't hesitate. Uh, start now in terms of setting up some sort of saving investment plan. And it could be just going in, talking to a do few different financial advisors um, or coming to see us and we can go through and explain. We don't recommend any specific financial products. Uh, that's not our business, but we help you understand um, the different products and how they work so that you can make good financial decisions. And we're happy to, uh, to help out in that regard. Okay, great. So if, if people did want to know about your program and how to access it, and could you tell us a little bit about who's eligible or how they might connect to the program for help, both for those who are listening and people who may be within the film and entertainment sector and or maybe people they know in their family or in their community? Yeah, so they can just contact us at moneyskills at fsgv.ca or uh, call us or visit us at the uh, FSGV uh, website. 
and get in touch with us, and we're happy to book an appointment. We also have a list of various workshops that we offer throughout the year on on different topics. So we'll have ones on uh, managing through difficult financial environment. We'll have one on budgeting. We have one on filing your own taxes. Uh, We have uh, one on credit and debt. Um, uh, We even have ones on saving for your kids' education. So all of those are free, and people can access them online, too. So they don't actually have to, to show up anywhere. They just click on their computer and, uh, and join us. Okay, that's fantastic as a resource. And uh, the website is uh, FSGV, Family Service Greater Vancouver.ca. And you can find financial empowerment under the services tab on that website. So, Marie, thank you so much. You've done a great job of explaining uh, finances and making it simple for us. Thanks very much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Well, our guest today has been Murray Baker, manager of the Financial Empowerment Program at Family Services of Greater Vancouver. And you can find him online and through the website fsgv.ca. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Call Time podcast. We're excited to be able to bring this program to you covering issues related to mental health and well-being for the film motion picture and entertainment sectors in BC. This podcast wouldn't be available without the direct financial and time and volunteer support of representatives of each of the BC's film sector unions. That includes IATSE 891, ICG 669, Teamsters 155, UBCP ACTRA, ACFC West, Local 2020 Unifor, and DGC BC, and their associated health benefit plans. My name is Greg Taylor, I'm your host, and we look forward to you joining on future episodes. For more information and to follow upcoming notifications, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and to check us out on the website at calltimementalhealth.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting next time. <laughs>